Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a lot of awesome stories, and our first story of the day is from 5Frog Margin. Oh, you don't appreciate having to clean up after yourselves? Here, let me force you to clean up after yourselves. That's a military vehicle's carrier for you laymen. Ever seen those ships that look like giant floating shoeboxes? That's what I work on. They have a tiny living area, a tinier bridge, and a decent sized engine room. In the industry, we call them Roros, roll on, roll off. As they don't crane cargo on and off, they actually have a massive stern ramp to allow cargo to drive on and off itself. All of these flaws I mentioned were designed to give as much space to the massive cargo holds, and they are massive. We were in a shipyard in North Charleston, South Carolina for repairs a few years back. Of the many jobs we contracted to get done was the chipping and painting of the interior cargo holds. Now again, these cargo holds were massive. Imagine two plus football fields laid end to end with an overhead of 12 feet. Now imagine five floors of that. The ship is big. To lash, tie down, all of the vehicle cargo, we have chain boxes throughout the holds which are 4 foot by 4 foot by 3 foot. Aluminum boxes. These hold all of the ship's lashing gear and are strategically located all over the ship's cargo holds. Unfortunately for me, the shipyard workers decided that these made great trash cans. There was always one within tossing distance and best of all, it hid their garbage. Why toss it onto the deck when there was a chain box nearby? After two weeks of nagging the contractors to stop tossing their trash into the bins, I fumed to the captain next door. He suggested I read the contract we had with this painting company. I was not smart enough to see what he wanted me to, so he dumbed it down for me. So and so coatings were to provide me with transportation, just an electric golf cart, up and down all six decks to ensure the work is being done and the levels of cleanliness are being maintained. I even had a driver whom I'll call Radar, like the dude from MASH the TV show. And so I did just that. I made Radar stop at every freaking chain box and empty them out. And there were about 90 to 100. The first two to three days he tried to claim that the garbage, almost all monster drinks, coffee cups, water bottles, and Newport cigarette packs, were there already, but he cleaned them up as a token of goodwill. Naturally, they were full the next day as well. And the day after that, and the day after that. After about 10 days of this, Radar had enough. He tried to complain to his boss about the workers tossing their trash into the chain boxes. And the solution was to let the workers toss their crap in the chain boxes. We'll clean it up at the end. Come the end of the job and surprise, surprise, Radar tried to drive me right to the painting job, right past the garbage strewn chain boxes. Imagine his surprise when he realized I had not forgotten about the rubbish. As a matter of fact, I told Radar I wanted to see the chain boxes before anything else. When I realized they were still full of rubbish, I told Radar, empty that crap and don't call me until it's done, 
period. So-and-so coatings were not happy about this, and any question they asked me about the quality of paint work was shot down by me, the boss. As they wanted to get paid, the goddarn owner of the company joined Radar and one other guy, and they spent all afternoon emptying the rubbish from 100 chain boxes. I made it clear no painting approval would be considered until all the rubbish was removed, period. So Radar and the big boss spent half a day emptying the chain boxes of trash his workers had filled. Why big boss? Apparently all of his workers had some big money US and Navy rush job to attend to, and he wasn't getting paid until I was happy. And I was not happy. At least not until Big Boss was very unhappy. I got my good paint job and my clean chain boxes. Good on OP for making sure to take full use of their authority in this matter. It probably would be pretty easy for somebody to not care too much or kind of cave into the pressure of them just wanting to get that paint job approved and basically dumping all that trash on you. Could you deal with that pressure and look them right in the face and say, clean these up and don't contact me until you do? Or would holding down that position be just a little too uncomfortable for you? Let me know about you guys down in the comments. Our next story is from Mo Yeah. Ego loses stinky girl her apartment deposit. I, female 20, moved out when I turned 17 and had my own small one-bedroom apartment. Still in high school, I met a girl a year older than me and became friends with her. We'd smoke and drive around, nothing crazy, we'll call her Emily. Eventually I got her a job at a place I was working, basically cold calling internet customers and pitching new services, making a dollar an hour in today's money. We started hanging out more, we both decided we freaking hated that job and our local Nordstrom warehouse had openings and a huge seasonal bonus. We both got the job making literally twice what we had been before. This girl had a really weird, crappy mom, not unlike my own. They got in some kind of regular argument. Basically, her mom was telling her she was a piece of crap for no reason. You don't need to feel bad for her. Her whole family's like that and seems to like it. Anyways, I told her she could stay with me. I didn't have a lot of room in my apartment, and my couch was a two-cushion loveseat where she could sleep. My landlord was a world-class donkey, so we started looking for apartments we could share. I copied her a key so I didn't have to let her in, and I could keep my door locked. We applied for a two-bed at some really shady apartments well-known in our city for being shootout and arson-friendly. I was ahead in life for my age, but still maturing and obviously making questionable choices, as one does when you have the kind of freedom your peers don't. We put a deposit down to hold the apartment until they were done doing renovations after a huge storm messed up our whole city. She sent me half of her $600 deposit over Cash App, and I got a money order from my bank to give the complex. The renovations were a month away from being done, for five months. She was staying with me for most of that. I hadn't explicitly asked her to pay rent when she first came to stay with me because my apartment was really affordable, and I wasn't too worried about it. When it turned into more than a few weeks, she said she'd throw me some rent money and cash for food, my weed she smoked, etc. I also never explicitly asked her to shower. She did not do that either. Girl, I already admitted my tendency to make poor choices, but I just want to mention again, I was still very much growing. She's not someone I would even smile at walking by in a parking lot now. Anyways, she never paid me any money for rent, food, or the rides to work. Did you really get the impression she had a car? Not to mention I totaled my car taking her to the store for coffee creamer. It became pretty clear we weren't going to be able to move into this apartment anytime soon. We weren't fighting or anything like that. 
One night I texted her and asked her to find somewhere to stay for a night because I wanted the house to myself. She texted me the next morning and asked if I wanted her to get her stuff and leave. I'm not big on sharing my space now and letting her stay with me was a pretty impulsive decision I was starting to regret, so I just said, yeah, that's it. I said, yeah. I came home the next day to half of her stuff still in my house, mostly clothes I hadn't seen her wash. I texted her and told her when she came back for the rest of her stuff, she could leave my key in the locker we shared at work. She said I wasn't getting my key back. She asked for her $300 back. I told her my house key equals her money. She refused. She called the apartment complex before I could and tried to get a refund for half of the deposit and told them we went half. They couldn't give her any of the money because technically it was my money. I called them and told them I'd be stopping by for my money order back because they'd taken six months to renovate the apartment that we were supposed to move into within a month of putting the deposit down. They told me I couldn't have it because it wasn't all my money. I let them know that I'd be there in an hour to collect my money order with my name on it from my bank. The lady I talked to when I got there argued with me a bit, not sure why, but she had the money order in her hand while she was telling me she wasn't going to give it to me. I'll let you guess whether I A. Walked away and called my bank to issue a stop check or B. Snatched that freaking money order out of her rickety butt hand so fast she forgot how to speak and calmly walked back to my car, drove to the bank, and deposited the money order back into my account. Emily begged me for her money while still refusing to give me my key. It seemed like an easy choice to me, but it was a pretty cool key. I'd gotten her a pink one with some kind of print. I don't know, maybe she liked it. So I kept her money, sold her crap, didn't make much, bought a couple ounces, and bada bing bada boom, didn't give a single freak. Would I have given her the money back if she'd given me the key? Heck freaking no. Call it rent and Febreze money, I don't know. Now I live in a very nice, updated two-bed and a three-unit building with my big stinky dog. Much cuter and more forgivable. New car and no roommates. She lives in a one-bed and a rotting complex I used to party with actual cokeheads in, and her tires got slashed a month or so ago. It seriously wasn't me, but how many people do you think are really into this girl? Reminiscing this feels pretty good. It sounds to me like maybe the communication here wasn't the best. When things were going on for weeks and it looked like they might not be able to get into that new place for a while, there wasn't really great communication going on there. With the money and the key, there wasn't great communication. But I'm not sure if that's symptomatic of OP not putting in enough effort to communicate or just kind of the person the stinky girl was as far as being totally unreliable. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Nice Jab That. Going to go extra slow now. I made a quick trip to the gas station this morning to grab a couple of things. It had just opened, and as I was walking in, a man was walking out and towards the pumps. Another lady who was wearing the vest for the attached grocery store was now being served, so I politely took a place in line. I could see through the window that the man was waving both arms while standing at the pump and thought, oh, I guess the pump isn't on. The lady being served quietly said something to the cashier. The cashier said, oh no, he told me it was pump one. I'll switch it over and begins to do that. Well, this lovely soul of a man, sarcasm, steps to the other side and starts waving with the arm waving again. I was getting amused by this time and said so. The cashier turns and waves back just like him saying, I'm getting it switched. He then stomps in. 
What did you just say? She tells him, Sir, you told me the wrong pump. I need to get it switched over. It takes just a minute. In the midst of her explanation, he tried to interrupt her, but she didn't allow it. Well, that just steamed him more. He was muttering things as he started stomping out. So she clearly said, Well, now, I'll just go much slower. At this point, I was openly smiling at her, I must admit. He proceeded to spin around and said, What's your name? Reads it off her name tag, asks for her last name. The cashier says, That's all you need to know. He stomps back out with threats to call corporate. I asked the cashier if I could have the number so I could call and tell them how well I thought she handled a jerk. She said there was no need, it was all on video. Then she found me a discount on my items. She got her revenge by going slower, and I got mine by getting a discount for being the antithesis to a jerk. To be fair, if I was the guy I probably would be annoyed too, but I tend to prefer to just not let things like that bother me for too long. Yeah, it would be frustrating. After I filled up my vehicle and got in and drove away, I'd probably be fuming for a little while. But I wouldn't be the kind of person that would want to openly lash out in front of strangers and to a random person just who made an honest mistake doing a cashier job. Our next story is from Comprehensive State 11. Fob me off? Okay, let me unintentionally make you look bad. Way back in 2000, I was on a US aircraft carrier, the Carl Vinson. I was a sonar technician assigned to maintain some equipment. Well, as a little background, you have black shoes and brown shoes. Brown shoes are Airedales, black shoes are surface sailors. They don't like working together, so they immediately sent me off to work elsewhere. In the Navy, there's special qualifications you can get. Takes time. Written test and an oral board. For the surface warfare specialist, it took me four months. Now, the air warfare specialist took less, since I'd just finished the surface. In one six-month crew, I got both qualifications. My original boss who had fogged me off everywhere was shocked. All of a sudden he was trying to fast track me through all of the other qualifications. Try and get some of the attention off his sailors who hadn't matched a single qualification. I told him, Rob, I'm transferring as soon as we dock. You had your chance at my work ethic and blew it. So from what I understand, Opie was basically saying that from what I guess somewhat lower position they were in, the boss never treated them well and basically looked off of OP because they thought OP wasn't anything serious. And then once OP goes and achieves these qualifications, the boss all of a sudden is like, oh man, essentially starts recognizing OP's excellence out of the blue and starts trying to force them through to other qualifications. From what I understand, OP was basically giving the big middle finger because you didn't support me at all when I started, so don't act like you all of a sudden care now that I have some qualifications. This next story is from Kalmana. It's fine if you don't give me a solo, I'll just win the talent show. So this all started in like 2012, technically. My brother who was known for his dancing was being sought after by the high school choir and dance teachers. So he told me when the additions for not being in the beginner choir are. Since, while I'm new to an actual choir, I've been taking singing lessons for roughly 4-5 to years and had about 8 octaves and my grandmother's singing voice. She was a semi-pro opera singer. Needless to say, I shouldn't be in beginner choir unless I'm there to help or choose to be there. So I went, I tried out, and the choir teacher, we'll call her Miss H, placed me in beginner choir. So I told myself that Miss H just didn't want the older kids to feel bad for me to be out of my depth. No, two years later, she threw not one but two freshmen into concert choir. But I had to wait a year. Miss H never let me be in a group that was doing well. 
refused to give me a solo. I only got one when one of those freshmen were supposed to do a duet with me and let me do most of it since I had known the song for years. So my senior year of high school, I stopped doing choir since at that point, it turned into Miss H bullying me and I was done with her. That was the year I unintentionally made her my vocal witch. You see, years before I even went to high school, Miss H sang with my one-on-one singing teacher at one of my brother's dance recitals, and that song happens to be very hard to do. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's called Pi Jezu or something close. And I chose to sing that song for the talent show. Not only did I win, I got that moment of silence before the crowd goes nuts. And I spent the rest of the school year explaining how I was in choir, but Miss H never gave me a solo, and only one game, the choir kids sing the national anthem before games and such, as well as belittled me, so I'm not in choir anymore. Oh, and as a cherry on top, she had the choir do the same song the next year, and it sucked. My sister told me it was really sad to watch. I'm gonna take the benefit of the doubt here and think OP did just get treated a little unfairly, not given an opportunity. That said, apparently it's humanly impossible for anybody to have an eight octave voice. Apparently there's only like seven and a quarter. I'm definitely not well versed in singing in octaves, but it seems like a stretch to say eight octave voice. To put it into perspective, if somebody had an eight octave voice, that would be legendary range. Like, one of the greatest vocal ranges anybody has ever had. This next story is from Carbon Canyon Design. Don't cut in front of a parent with their child, and then ask us to take your photo. We lived in Japan for two fantastic years, and one of the things my kids loved to do was go to Universal Studios Japan, particularly the Sanrio area. The kids can't get enough of Hello Kitty. Apparently, neither can grown but adults. Midday at the park, they dress some poor soul as Hello Kitty to come out and greet the horde of fans. That day, there were probably a hundred plus people surrounding the mascot. Well, my kids wanted a picture with the huge furry feline, so I sighed, got in the back of the line, and patiently waited. We were finally next in line when a middle-aged woman dressed in a cat attire cut in front of my six-year-old and me. We were shocked and didn't immediately react. Was this grown-up seriously cutting in front of a line of children? Then before I had a chance to say anything, she turned around and asked me to take her picture with Hello Kitty. I could hear a chorus of grumbling behind us. 
At this point, I was ready to throw her iPhone into the fountain, but I thought for a second, smiled, and agreed. I took multiple pictures in portrait and landscape modes, each time coaching her for the cutest poses. A few people behind us were gleefully watching over my shoulder as I either put my finger over her face or cut her head off of every single photo. Middle-aged cat lady thanked me and left so she could check the photos away from the crowd. We took our photos with the cat, they turned out great, and as we walked away, we saw the lady angrily scrolling through her photos. The mascot's a lot of time was also about up at that time, so she didn't have a chance to go back and retake her photos. This is actually the first I've ever heard of Universal Studios being in Japan. I mean, I've gone to Universal Studios here in the US, but I had no idea that they had a Japan one too. I had even heard about the Super Nintendo World, but somehow never caught that that was part of Universal Studios Japan. I don't know, I'm kind of a sucker for theme parks, so it's just kind of cool to hear about. Our next story is from Kendon MCB. Park your classic car in the company garage? Get a ticket from me. So we had this coworker who wasn't too much into work. He was good at avoiding it, always made an effort to figure out and explain why it wasn't his responsibility, could be found in the canteen for about three to four hours a day, etc. You know the kind of people. He wasn't rude, he didn't do anything illegal that I knew of, he was just a pain in the butt because he got paid very well. He still had a contract of the golden ages of the genre of our company, which had since faded a bit, and wasn't willing to do anything for it. The company's huge, and the location that we work in is one of the biggest with about 6,000 employees there. The parking garage is the expected size, a few thousand cars. Now, obviously, it was only allowed to park there during your work hours, but since most people kept it at that, it wasn't checked or controlled in any way. Whenever you parked somewhere you shouldn't have parked, the external security company that took care of that stuff put a note behind your wiper, and that was it. This happens sometimes on some areas outside of the building and garage. There's a few above-ground parking spaces, which are reserved for rental cars. The company has its own fleet, or craftsmen, etc. One day, I learned that the aforementioned colleague owns a classic car, which he doesn't drive on a daily basis, but has it permanently parked in the parking garage of the company. Parking space in the city isn't exactly cheap if you didn't want to park your car on the side of the street, which was his reason. It didn't take me long to find the car, in a very far corner of the garage. Didn't take me long to either scan the wiper note, of which I proudly acquired a few over the years, change the text from, this is a reserved parking spot, you're not allowed to park here, to something like, this is not a permanent parking spot, remove your car or it'll be towed at your expense, and if this happens again, it'll have further consequences. A few days later, his car was gone and was never seen again on the premises. Although this is good revenge from OP, this just kind of highlights how little the company was, you know, putting in any kind of effort monitoring that parking garage. I mean, it's kind of nice for the workers there. You don't really have to worry too much about getting tickets or for some reason you leave your car there overnight, you're probably not getting a ticket. I mean, if anything, it shows that that dude is responsible when they're held at least somewhat accountable. You know, they put that warning on there and they up and got out of their ASAP. This next story is from Evening Ad 1795. Roommates ignore me and hurt me, so I took away my cooking supplies. My junior year of college, I left to study abroad in Italy my fall semester. When I came back, things were not the same with my best friend that I'd met freshman year. She was a sweet girl and easily manipulated by other people. 
When I came back, she was seemingly best friends with a girl who most likely had some unresolved trauma or untreated mental health stuff going on. Things were weird. Fast forward to senior year, me and my best friend, let's call her Abby, and her new best friend, let's call her Naomi, and two other girls they had met the previous year, were rooming together in a five-bedroom house. Important things to know, I'm a type 1 diabetic and was struggling with blood sugars. This was the year of COVID, when strict rules were placed about parties at my university. My bedroom was right outside the kitchen. I was becoming increasingly depressed. Things went downhill when I asked my roommates not to have parties at the house because I was immunocompromised and was scared of COVID. This was after a huge party was thrown and I had to hide in my bedroom. I was always doing the dishes, everyone's, deep cleaning the kitchen, not saying a word when they came home at 3am, waking me up and eating my food. Naomi's first person to hate in our house was Sally and would come to me and crap on her and laugh about how I was always doing her dishes as well as mine. Sally was the initial person to ask to not have parties at the house because she was nervous. So this was Naomi's reason to absolutely hate her. Winter break comes, I go to the doctors, and surprise, I have hypothyroidism. For those of you who don't know, a normal level is 1 and I was 9.5. This explained why I could not wake up and was sleeping until 4pm on the days I didn't have class. It was also the source of my depression. I couldn't clean the dishes. I couldn't do anything. Thankfully, I started medication. Now, when I come back to college, everyone is completely ignoring me. No eye contact. No response to, hey, nothing. I tell them about my diagnosis and that I have to change my diet. I have healthy food in my section of the fridge. Anyway, a fight started about how I have too much food and I don't do the dishes, blah blah blah. Naomi proceeds to say, I know how hard it is to have diabetes, I know how hard it is to have hypothyroidism, to which I said, no you freaking don't. Long story short, relationship was ended and I proceeded to treat everyone how they treated me. No eye contact, no communication. Kicker was, I took all of my spices and food and ingredients from the kitchen they always used. Sorry, but you don't get to use my generosity and kindness and then treat me like crap. There is so much more to this story, but this is the shorter version. Sadly, I think this is one of the realities you probably often find out when you room with people. I think a lot of times people go into these things thinking it'll work out and people will respect your space and your stuff. And then you find out somebody you're rooming with is a total jerk. So you end up doing the thing where you go out, you get a mini fridge, you keep everything in your bedroom, and you ride it out basically having one bedroom and going out for the bathroom and maybe the living room. And our final story of the day is from Street Blackberry 174 X lies about why we broke up to his mom, so I share the evidence of his cheating with her. Many, many years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I was engaged to a guy who was... Well, not the best. He was a man-child who would refuse to talk about anything other than himself, video games, and football. I had severe self-confidence issues and stayed with him because I convinced myself I was lucky to have one person love me. I never thought anyone would. As part of this, we did everything he wanted, never what I wanted. He picked the movie, where we went on date night, where we went on vacation, etc. At the very least, I was very close to his mother. We got along great, so much so that we often went out together. When my boyfriend proposed, she was thrilled that I was going to become her daughter-in-law. Unfortunately, after we got engaged, he started acting weird. 
He got super secretive about his phone and suddenly started going out multiple nights a week to go out with the boys. Then he started canceling our plans like date night to go out with the boys. When I tried to talk to him about it, asking if he'd forgotten about our plans, he yelled at me and told me I was being controlling. So I backed off. At first, I was in denial. I told myself there was no way he'd cheat. He had proposed. He wanted to spend the rest of his life with me. Why would somebody propose and then cheat? But eventually I broke down. While he was asleep, I got into his phone and Facebook account, where I found sexts with multiple women, inappropriate photos from multiple women, and worst of all, recordings of him sleeping with other women. I was devastated. I confronted him about it and he screamed at me, told me I'd invaded his privacy and it was controlling behavior like this that made him cheat. We broke up. He moved back in with his mother. He made a big deal about how noble he was, letting me keep our little flat. I paid for most of the deposit and most of the rent. The moment she heard about our breakup, his mother came rushing to make sure I was okay. I didn't have the heart to tell her the real reason we broke up because I knew she would come down on him like a ton of bricks. My boyfriend's father had cheated on her, and so she always tried to instill in him and his siblings to never cheat. So I lied and told her we'd just drifted apart. I got a snotty message from my ex, clearly not happy that his mother went to me first instead of him. He accused me of being controlling that I'd manipulated his mother into rushing to me instead of him just to spite him. He was her son, so why would she come and see me? I foolishly apologized and said she just turned up. A few weeks roll by, I'm slinking into depression, then I get a series of nasty texts from his mother calling me a whoar and other choice names and how she can't believe I betrayed her precious boy. She tries calling, but I don't answer the phone, terrified of what she'll say. It became clear that my ex had told her we broke up because I cheated, probably in revenge for her coming to see me first instead of him. Fed up with this and devastated, I sent her a text explaining that's not what happened. She confirmed that her son had told her I had cheated with multiple men. Why would her son lie? Why would I hurt him this way? Now her baby was scarred for life. My anxiety melted away, leaving only anger. I still had all of the evidence of his cheating backed up on my laptop. I sent it all to his mother. Every text, every sext, every inappropriate photo, every conversation with women confirming he'd been out with them and stayed the night at theirs, etc. And every hookup video he made. I did send the video separately, warning her of the explicit content and censored the photos as best as I could. A few hours went by, then she tried to call. I was too scared to answer. Then she sent a text apologizing for what she said and promised me she would deal with her, in her words, lying sack of crap of a son. A few days went by and then my phone blew up, but now it was my ex, furious that I had told his mother. It turned out that not only was his mother mad at him, but so was most of his family. His sisters were mad at him, his grandmother was furious with him, even his dad, who remember cheated on his mom, said he was disappointed in him. How dare you tell her that, he texted me. Now she's saying I have to apologize to you. That's not fair. It was then that I had an epiphany. I knew I was done with him. Knew I deserved better. I calmly replied that he was the one who lied. I told his mother we just drifted apart. He could have left it there, but he chose to be petty. He was the one who caused this. He was the one who cheated. Then I blocked his number. 
His mother invited me out one last time so we could enjoy a meal together. She apologized for what she said and wished me the best. She then broke down all the good qualities she saw in me, all the positives, and told me what a good person I was, and told me to find somebody who was worthy of me. I burst out crying. It was a well-needed wake-up call that helped me start on the long road of gaining self-confidence. Her son, on the other hand, got the scolding of a lifetime from his mother, grandmother, sisters, his father, and even his stepmother. Some of his friends even told him what a douche he was being. His mother made him pay her back for all the deposits she'd paid for our wedding venues and vendors. The cherry on top, though, was whenever he made whiny posts online about how unfair it was or tried to say it was my fault, his family and some of his friends chimed in to correct him and remind him exactly why he was suffering in the first place. It's been over a decade since then. I'm happily married to a wonderful, supportive man with three beautiful children. I still look back on that moment in life and laugh at how my ex could have avoided it all if he just kept his mouth shut and not acted like a petulant child. Needless to say, this was a huge bomb that OP dodged here. The fact that they were that close to getting married, imagine if they had gotten married and had to go through that divorce with all of that attached to it. Imagine how much more devastating that could have been for OP. Thankfully OP got out of there with the truth being known and is now in a great situation. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the stories in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.